Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Drag up that diesel. What's good? Welcome to the Pig Pen Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day. Not exactly the performance that we were hoping for against the New York Giants yesterday. And I said on the preview podcast that if we can't win this football game, the mirage of us actually winning the NFC East Championship, this carrot that we were chasing as the rabbit, is gone. And after watching how we played, I think it is it is fair to say that that is gone. The, the hope that we had of winning the, the division championship all but went away with the second and third interception that Alex Smith threw yesterday. We will get into all of that as well as discuss a very interesting comment that Ron Rivera made during his Zoom press conference earlier on this Monday morning. But I want to talk about some of the positives that we saw from this football game first. I am not going to be the guy uh, that just harps on all of the negativity because I do think that there were certain aspects of the football game that deserve to be spoken about positively, but also we played well enough in certain regards to win the football game It's just when you turn the ball over five times, it makes that very difficult. So I want to start with the wide receivers. We have, I guess, an answer to prayer with the performance yesterday from Cam Sims. We had been desperately pleading for somebody on this roster to step up and to fill the position of wide receiver two on this unit. Obviously, Terry McLaurin is wide receiver one and not only is he wide receiver one he is the best offensive player on the field always I mean really always and I kind of equate that to the other team's best offensive player as well I don't care what offense is on the field when we're playing on a Sunday Terry McLaurin is the best player on offense it seems like every single week but what we saw from Cam Sims yesterday I feel like is enough moving forward to put him into the spot as wide receiver number two. 
now that our hopes are gone of winning the division, unless you think this team can rattle off an absurd unbeaten streak to end the season, which you're more optimistic than I if that's how you feel. But now that the the hopes are gone of winning the NFC East championship, we now need to revert back to what this season was supposed to be, which was a rebuilding year, and see what we have specifically on the offensive side of the football. It's going to be an interesting year in free agency, and I'm not going to get way over the skis here and suggest that what we saw from Cam Sims against the New York Giants means we shouldn't target any of the wide receivers, specifically Allen Robinson, uh, who are likely going to be available this offseason. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is three receptions for 110 yards yesterday for Cam Sims, he is taking advantage of the opportunities that he has been given in this offense since he has been called up and been able to get some play play time uh, due to some of the other injuries because originally he wasn't scheduled to get anywhere near as much play time as he's currently getting but he has taken advantage of the opportunities and as we move forward with the remainder of the season I, I would like to see him get more and more of those opportunities right now on the season he has seven receptions on eight targets for 171 yards and a touchdown that's roughly it's just shy of 25 yards per catch that Cam Sims is averaging. It's a very short sample size, yes. So the numbers are a bit skewed. You know, when you give him more targets and you give him more receptions, likely that average is going to come down considerably because 25 yards per catch is a very ridiculous number. But he has earned the right, I would say, to get more of the the action. And comparatively speaking, you know, Dontrell Inman has less receiving yards than Cam Sims. Cam Sims is the fourth leading receiver on this football team, despite the fact that he's only been thrown to eight times, which speaks to the grander issue at hand, which is that we need another wide receiver. But when you see a guy like Cam Sims, and there's obviously a story behind him, he's been cut and then he's been brought up and he's been cut again and brought up in practice squad and all these different sorts of things. But when you see him take advantage of the opportunities he should get more opportunities. I feel like that's just, that should be a fact of life. If you give someone in life opportunities and they take advantage and make the best out of those opportunities, they should get more opportunities. So Cam Sims falls into that category. He's been proven so far through the small sample size, at least, that he can make big plays. He can get yards after the catch because we're not exactly chucking the ball deep down the field. A lot of his big plays have have been making guys miss and able to find soft spots in the defense. I would like to see more of that, and I would hope that if this success even remotely continues with extended action, again, the 25 yards per attempt, per catch, that is going to come down as it should. But if this degree of success even remotely continues as he gets more passes thrown his way I do think that significantly opens up the offense and more so I think it opens up the potential for Terry McLaurin who will not be the getting every single degree of attention that the defense has to offer obviously the defense is not going to slack off of McLaurin just because Camp Sins is is playing fantastic um 
but they will then have to focus more on Cam Sims, and they'll have to focus more on Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick, which should open up the field a little bit more for Terry McLaurin, who at this point doesn't really even need that. I mean, he he continues to perform at a, at a very impressive rate. Uh, McLaurin is a true number one. Uh, I remember a few weeks ago, it felt like it's been a lot longer than a few weeks, but uh, we had the what I will call the issue on Twitter when Jason Reed, who is a guy that wrote for the Washington Post for a while, he's still in the D.C. area, said that McLaurin was kind of just another guy. Uh, rightfully so, a lot of us came quickly to the defense of Terry McLaurin because, quite frankly, it's just an asinine take. I like Jason Reed, but that take is ter- it's a terrible take. Uh, and his first game since then, again, it felt like that tweet was made so much longer ago than it actually was, but it was a few days after the Dallas game. Well, this was McLaurin's first game since there, since that tweet, seven receptions, 115 yards, and a touchdown, including that 68-yard touchdown, which was Alex Smith's first touchdown since coming back from the injury. And the touchdown itself, uh, as soon as I saw this, it was eerily similar to that of a game-winning touchdown from Santana Moss in 2006 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not the exact same, but there were there were very clear similarities in that it was a very tight throw to make for the quarterback. There were three defenders right there surrounding Terry McLaurin. Uh, he took the contact, he got away from the contact, and then he did the rest of the work himself. Uh, where that Santana Moss touchdown in overtime against Jacksonville, Brunel kind of split two defenders when he threw it. Uh, Santana wasn't really touched at all. He just split the defenders. He got through it, and he goes uh, to the house, wins the game in overtime. Both of those touchdown catches were 68 yards, and then they, obviously they both resulted in, in touchdowns. So uh, it was very, very similar. It was shades of that Santana Moss play, and that was one of my favorite Santana Moss games. I mean, he had... He had four catches in, in that Jacksonville game for over 160 yards, and three of the catches were for touchdowns. So he destroyed Jacksonville's defense. And very similarly, McLaurin has gotten the better of every single defense with the exception of the Rams, which wasn't his fault. That was we had a whole lot of issues at the quarterback. But every other game where we haven't had major issues, we've always had issues at the quarterback, but not major issues. Terry McLaurin has taken advantage. I do wonder if Jack Del Rio felt very similarly when he saw that Terry McLaurin touchdown because he was the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2006 during that football game. So I'd be interested to see how uh, he felt about that Terry McLaurin touchdown and if he saw shades of what I saw in relation to the Santana Moss catch. But McLaurin has been nothing short of amazing. His yards after the catch are unbelievable. He's approaching 700 yards through what? We've played now eight games. So he's on pace for just shy of 1,400 yards as it currently stands. But a majority of his yards are coming after the catch. We're not exactly throwing the ball deep down the field. It's been my biggest pet peeve. I know it's been a lot of your biggest pet peeves. We're not pushing the football down the field, but we're giving the ball to Terry McLaurin, and he's able to do the rest himself. When it comes to at the actual wide receiver position, he is best when it comes to yards after the catch. In fact, the only guy that is better with yaks in the NFL is Alvin Kamara, who is an elite player at his position and got paid like it and has lived up to it. That's pretty good company to be in if you're Terry McLaurin. His vision is outstanding. His ability to make guys miss is outstanding. 
And now if he has a partner in crime like Cam Sims, I do think this offense can open up a little bit. And hopefully if Cam Sims continues to perform the way that he has, again, in this small sample size on only eight targets, seven receptions, if he continues to perform well, hopefully that secures a spot on the roster for him next year. And then we can go out and get someone in free agency. Because if we have Terry McLaurin and a guy like Allen Robinson, there are a couple other guys available in free agency this year. But I view Allen Robinson as a guy that we should target. He should be at the top of the list. So I'll just pencil him in there. You can pencil if you want another wide receiver that you'd like in free agency. I don't have the list above or right in front of my face, so I'm just going with Allen Robinson here. But if we can have Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, Cam Sims, and then Kelvin Harmon as a group of four at the wide receiver position next year, I mean, that's a monumental step forward from what we went into the beginning of of this year with. And I think that's making progress when it comes to that position, which is something that uh, we desperately need because life is a lot easier, and it's a lot easier to win football games when you have guys on the outside that are able to make plays uh, either when it comes to just pure route running and, and tough catches, but then also make plays after the catch with both Terry McLaurin and Cam Sims have proven the ability to do so. And it would be nice just to see Allen Robinson play with a competent quarterback because that dude has had all sorts of quarterback issues uh, in his career so far. Now, the question is, who is our competent quarterback? And this is where I want to get to a brief pause in the game that we saw yesterday and focus more on a comment that Ron Rivera made on this Monday morning in regards to the franchise quarterback. And Ron Rivera said, we have to see if the franchise quarterback is on our roster. He is in a way posing a question, but also answering his question in the process of posing said question. If you have to see if the franchise quarterback is on the roster, the answer is no, they are not. Kyle Allen, very obviously not the franchise guy. Hate to see him go down with the injury that he sustained, but he is not the franchise guy. Dwayne Haskins, not the franchise guy. We thought maybe he could be. I was huge on Dwayne Haskins entering the season. I still would like to see him play at least a little bit more this year, which I do think we will see. But Dwayne Haskins is not the franchise guy, and neither is Alex Smith. Now, Alex Smith yesterday performed in portions like a guy we hoped he would be when we traded for him. The interceptions were bad, but I can briefly remove those interceptions and admit that there were portions of the game, specifically in the second half, where Alex Smith played well, like really, really well, like the best we have seen a quarterback play for our franchise this season well. And it was the best Alex Smith has played in damn near three years. You have to go back to his days with Kansas City, where statistically he even came remotely close to the production yardage-wise that he put forth yesterday. It's a very, very long time since we have seen Alex Smith throw the ball down the field to the point where I was actually kind of surprised when he was throwing the ball down the field. I was like... Wait a minute here. This is not what we're used to from Alex Smith, but it was nice to see that. And this is a game that should have been a redemptive story. It should have been the completion to this arc of Alex Smith's return. He threw the touchdown pass to Terry McLaurin, which I can't think of a better way 
to get your first touchdown back from a damn near life-threatening injury. It was the perfect touchdown pass to throw, and then he had not one but two opportunities to lead either a game-tying or game-winning drive for the franchise, and what should have been this com- this great story we should be celebrating here on this Monday turned into complete and utter disaster. The first interception of the game where McKissick tripped, not 100% on the shoulders of Alex Smith. Not a great throw, shouldn't have made the throw, but not 100% on Alex Smith. I would blame Dan Snyder and his inability to actually get a reputable field for that interception. The final two were bad. Like, really, really bad. I loathe. Like, it makes my blood boil. It makes my skin crawl. I loathe when guys throw fadeaways. I can't stand it. It's like quarterbacking 101. Plant both of your feet when you throw the football. And the second interception of the day, Alex Smith sailed one because he threw a fadeaway. Stop with the fadeaways. Not everybody is Mahomes, Rodgers, and Wilson. Those are guys that you can get away with it. But even those guys have issues because throwing fadeaways is not the best way to deliver football. Stunning news, I know. But I hate seeing him throw a fadeaway. That was what he did on the second interception. That's on him. And then the third interception, he threw it a little bit right to the defender. That's on him. It doesn't take away the brief moments of joy that I saw. And again, seeing him move the offense, seeing the offense play the best that is played all year, I felt, for a certain portion of the game against a real defense. Dallas's defense, not a real defense. They're very, very bad. I don't care what they did to Pittsburgh yesterday. That defense is bad. The New York Giants have a good defense, and we were able to move the ball up and down the field with Alex Smith. It's just those turnovers at the very end are backbreaking. Backbreaking. It's something we're so used to seeing, but for a brief second, I thought to myself, maybe, maybe, just maybe, this does not end the way that we have seen so many of these games end before when we were being quarterbacked by Kirk Cousins or literally whoever else in the past two decades that have the audacity really to throw these backbreaking interceptions it's just bad decisions on bad decisions it hurt to see that a little bit Uh, I'm still glad to see Alex Smith perform well I understand the coaching staff's decision to say all right this is the guy that we are going to roll with for the next week against Detroit but I do think at some point in time we see Dwayne Haskins play again and I think that's just a logical decision to make from a coaching staff We know that Dwayne Haskins is not the quarterback of our future. We should all have come to grips with that. But what we don't know yet is if somebody else wants to give him a shot. We didn't move him at the deadline because, quite frankly, there wasn't any market. But maybe, just maybe, this is a a blessing within a curse in that if Dwayne Haskins can play well enough where some other team sees something in him and says, you know, we could give up a sixth-round draft pick for that guy, a fifth or sixth round. If you're thinking at any point Dwayne Haskins is getting a second, a third, or a fourth-round draft pick, your optimism is way too high. 
But a fifth or a sixth round or a seventh round, I mean, shoot, I'll take a seventh round draft pick for Dwayne Haskins. That's kind of where we've come to at this point. We know that we are going to be in the market for a quarterback this offseason. Preferably, that quarterback comes from the NFL draft, please. I saw some rumor on Twitter last week about Jimmy Garoppolo. I will rescind my fanhood. I'm like I'm if Jimmy Garoppolo is a quarterback here in DC next week, I'm done. 100% I'm done. Jimmy Garoppolo is not the guy. I would rather have Alex Smith on the the injured leg whatever. I would rather have Alex Smith as the future of our guy than Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't care how great his jawline is or his 5 o'clock shadow. Jimmy Garoppolo is not the guy that needs to be quarterbacking the Washington football team ever. Like literally ever. I'm hoping in the draft. And I'm hoping I'm hoping for the other for the other Ohio State guy. It seems like we're a little far out of the Trevor Lawrence debate or sweepstakes. I guess debate's the wrong word. Sweepstakes. We're out of the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. At least at this point in time, we are very much in the Justin Fields sweepstakes. And I will take Justin Fields. You know, I will I will take one for the team by acquiring Justin Fields, who threw a very uncharacteristic, like, four incompletions this weekend. Huh. What a terrible game for him. Four incompletions. Justin Fields is amazing. And don't anyone get tied up in the, well, we already tried the one Ohio State quarterback. Why would we try another one? Because Justin Fields is better than what Dwayne Haskins was in college, and he has more than one season to show for it. That aside, I'm not diving too deep into this quarterback stuff now because there's still a a lot of football left to play. But the franchise quarterback is very much not on this roster. And the idea that Ron Rivera is even questioning it answers the question in itself in that it is not... What we have now is not the future. I do feel terrible for Kyle Allen. Obviously, seeing him go down sucks, especially November. We just have this... Our franchise has this very strange history with injuries in November. It's kind of tough to watch. But seeing him go down with the, the leg whip, that sucked. I hated the them showing the replay like four times, different angles. Like, hey, can we maybe not show his ankle getting dislocated, please? Like, we see it once. Like, all right, that, that's clearly what happened. Let's, let's see the other angle of how Jabril Peppers leg whipped Kyle Allen. Like, no, please, stop. I don't want to see that. Like, I, I was eating. But Kyle Allen posted on Instagram, there was a report that he's going under surgery today and that he wasn't officially out for the season. There was a potential that Kyle Allen could come back. But here, I want to read this Instagram post, the caption in in specific here, which should answer that question that Kyle Allen is, is done for the year. He says, and I quote, Just want to thank everyone for the overwhelming love and support today. This is the unfortunate part of the game that we play, but there's no adversity you can't overcome. I promise I'll be back stronger and better because of it. Double fist emoji there. Loved every second of my first year in Washington. I can't wait for more. That sure sounds like his season is over. I loved every second of my first year that that he's done. He's done for the year. That's literally right from the horse's mouth. 
And that's one of those captions that you know was double, triple, and quadruple checked by either him or his people. I'm sure his his family got involved. Like, all right, Kyle, let's just see what you're posting on social media here. That's him essentially saying that his season is done there. So I'm taking that right from Kyle Allen's mouth. We're not going to see him for the rest of the season, which means it comes down to, in a perfect world, either just Alex Smith or Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins. I would really prefer to not go into the free agency pool of the quarterbacks that are out there because there's just really not a whole lot of great quarterbacks out there. Uh, So it's going to come down to those two guys. And if the franchise quarterback is on the roster, which, again, he is absolutely not. As far as what we saw from the defense on Sunday, the the running attack for the Giants was way too strong. Uh, obviously, I, I think and I know that our defensive front is really, really good at their job, but the success New York had running the football, that was poor. 68 yards for Wayne Gallman and 67 yards for... Alfred Morris. Alfred Morris turned the clock back. It was like watching vintage 2012 Alfred Morris against our great defensive front. The thing that would have really sent me over the edge, and I'm very glad this didn't happen. As much as I love Alfred Morris and I love seeing him succeed, I prefer that success to not come against our squad. But the thing that would have really sent me over the edge would have been had Alfred Morris scored a touchdown and then did the celebration. The home run knock it out of the park celebration, which is a great celebration, the great touchdown celebration. It's one of my favorites. But it, it would have hurt to see him do that at FedEx Field while beating our team and running all over our defense. So I'm glad that didn't happen. I take a little bit of solace in that. But with the exception of New York's 166 yards on 35 carries, I thought the defense played well enough to win the football game. The one thing that they struggled with was forcing turnovers because they forced none, which is exceptionally impressive because Daniel Jones is the most turnover-prone quarterback that is an active starter in the NFL who seemingly loves playing us. He's 4-0 against us. He is 1-16 against every other team that he's played. So not forcing Daniel Jones to turn the ball over was a major takeaway from what we saw on the defensive side of the football. But when you can hold a team to 23 points in today's modern NFL, this offensive-driven NFL, you played well enough to win the football game the problem was the offense turned the ball turned the ball over five times. And that you can't do. And that's the real difference maker there. The football team lost by three points while the offense turned the ball over five times. And New York capitalized and scored touchdowns on some of those turnovers. So like the story, the be-all, end-all is right there. There are other things on defense that I w- would have liked to see turn out better. I didn't think Cam Curl played exceptional. He played decent, not great. He gave up a couple big plays, including the touchdown pass to Eric Ebron, a couple, another big play uh, on a really the biggest play of the day for New York on the Austin Mack 50-yard reception. He didn't play exceptional, but again, as a defensive unit, 
they played well enough to win the football game and the offense just turned the ball over five times. And I don't want to make this entire podcast all about the offense and their shortcomings, but leading up to this football game, Scott Turner said, I want to be less predictable on offense. I want this offense to be less predictable. I don't exactly know what he had in mind when he said that, but I would hope that when he said, I want to be less predictable, he wasn't thinking at the time, we are going to run the ball nine times. Because that's what happened. Six carries for Antonio Gibson, three carries for J.D. McKissick. Nine rush attempts in a football game. You can count them on your hands and still have one left over. Tom Brady's been to nine Super Bowls. We ran the ball nine times in a football game. You can't win like that. You just can't, especially when the franchise quarterback is not on the roster. The options were Kyle Allen and Alex Smith. They threw the ball a combined 39 times, and we ran nine times. I understand the Giants' defensive front is a strong one. Their defensive line is very good. But nine rush attempts. Nine. I don't want to be predictable, but please run the football more than nine times. That is unacceptable. Like, unacceptable. At least get to ten, for God's sakes. Nine rush attempts. Unbelievable. This is a game that should have been won mathematically still alive for the division crown. But they're not winning the division. They're just not. This was a game that you had to win if you wanted to win the division crown. You did not. And you got to live with that. This this was the be-all, end-all. This was the must-win game. And the team looked flat out of the bye to start. Not a great open to the first quarter and could never really get it going after that, and you turn the ball over five times. You never want to turn the ball over five times, ever. But even more than that, you never want to turn the ball over five times out of a bye week. That's what the Giants should be doing. They should be the team turning the ball over five times. We were supposed to be the team that came out, played fast, and got to the quarterback, which we did, five sacks of Daniel Jones, But we should have been forcing turnovers. Instead, we gave them five. Just not a good football game. It hurts to watch. And now we have to deal with questions. Is the franchise quarterback on the roster? Who is actually going to be this franchise's quarterback? I hope it's Justin Fields. But he's obviously not on the roster right now. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this somewhat pseudo recap but also almost borderline rant about the franchise quarterback let me know your thoughts on the football game who you want to be the franchise quarterback for this roster i'm sure we will have this conversation many more times as we get closer to the end of the football season as we continue to see some of these college quarterbacks perform well and as we get into the offseason But with that, we'll wrap up this episode. I'll see you later in the week for the preview pod. I'm out. Peace.